0: Hello, everybody. Here, I'm to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your plat- podcasts on any platform. Like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need. You need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to well, Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. Cindy is uh, off on her campaign adventures. She has a big weekend this weekend in Grand Rapids. as she goes to try to get the, uh, the votes to be um, Secretary of State candidate for the Republican Party. So that's going to be fun. But I'm going to start the show with the Red Wings. Obviously the Red Wings have been, you know, talked about. You know, is the rebuild going as quick as it should? Is Steve Eiserman doing a good job? Should blast Blaschel be fired? Who are the pieces that you can significantly say uh, will be here when this team is good? I think first things first, let's look at the reality of the situation. The reality is the Red Wings have players. Edmonds, they have Sider. Uh, they have Larkin, Bertuzzi, Verana, Raymond. Besides that, they're pretty much limited. Rasmussen has really turned it on lately. He's starting to come into his own his own game. I'm intrigued by Rasmussen, but realistically, you need a second line center. If you look at you know all the playoff teams in, in, in the um, you know in 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 uh, the that are in the playoffs in the NHL. One of the things that they have is they have good second-line depth. So, you know, you look at Toronto, right? Austin Matthews is their first-line center, and their second-line center is John Tavares. You can go to, you know, you can go to uh, Tampa Bay. It's Braden Point, and then it could be Steven Stamkos. It could be, you know, a, a bunch of people there when you have depth up the center, middle, middle of the middle ice, you can really do some things you know that's one of the things that i look at for this team it's it's just you have to have the wherewithal um to know that this team that you have they're going to be good in the future i look at it like this um Trying to pull it up right now. So, the Red Wings prospects. Which ones? Which teams? Which players are really making, um, are making strides? I think the person that you really need to to, to there's there's three players I need you to, um, take into account. Right. So there there's Cross Hannis, the Redmond's just sent to an entry-level contract. He plays for the Portland Winter Hawks in the WHL. He's a point per game player, eighty-six points, sixty-three games, twenty-six goals, sixty assists. He's a he's a he's a he's a winger and a center. But I think the thing you need to know about Cross Hannes is he's a very good playmaker. Could I see him potentially becoming? A guy who comes into the the two of the Detroit Red Wings and 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 starts to make some strides, starts to make some, you know, starts to make this team look good. Oh hell yeah, I can. I think that you look at the the Red Wings and you look at what they need in the off season. You go, okay. I think Crosshanded can really help out. There's some good centers that they have down the pike. You know, Liam D- uh, Dower Nielsen. Uh, plays for for Londa, you know he's um, he's got 50 points in 44 games you know people people love him um, you know you got uh, Alexander uh, Kadek Kadekshin, uh from the KHL he's he's got 40 in 43 games he got 31 points you know you have these these players that are that are really just there's some good centers coming down the pike but it'll depend on how long they take uh, to get here and on the defensive end, I think the defensive end is probably the more uh, sure thing. I think you have there's three good defensemen off off the hop that I think are really that could really send this team into a great. Uh, uh, that that they could be really key pieces for the the Red Wings going forward. I like Simon Emmonsen. I like Shai Boom. He's, from, he's a u- defenseman from the University of Denver, which Carter Mazur actually plays on too. And I like William Wallander, And I think that they all have really high potential. I think there's another person that we really don't uh, focus on and it's Albert Johansson. He's a defenseman from Farjed uh, BK in the Swedish Elite Hockey League. And you look at those guys and you go, okay, the pa- the future looks bright, right? The future does look bright. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's, it's going to happen. So what can get this team in the best position next year to be a good team? And I know a lot of, there's a lot of flack on Jeff Blaschel and I know Jeff Blaschel has got a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of hate and with good reason. But if there's one thing you can say about Jeff Blaschel, it's how the team has performed. Uh, you know how the, there's been players getting better under his stewardship. Um, you know, let's look at the reality situation. You know, the reality is this is a roster that isn't very good, and you play in one of the toughest divisions in hockey. You know, think about it. The Red Wings they missed Ver- they missed Verona the whole year. You know, a lot of teams when they miss when they miss a player like Verona. It's huge. It's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. You gotta think about it like this: if you played, you know, for the wild card, right? You're in fifth place. I mean, there's there's only there's no teams that are in the playoff race right now. None. It's, it's it's all been decided. Just basically, it's basically seeding right now, uh, because the New York Islanders have eighty points and they're in third place, and they're not much better than you in points. They're only ten points better than you, um, but you got to look at it like this. Verona was out for half the year, okay. The goals for is two eighteen. The goals against is two ninety four. Obviously, two ninety four is a bad barometer. They're gonna give up a three hundred goal. Uh, season again, um. But you gotta look at it like this: they really struggled on the road. The Red Wings did, uh, and I think that you're gonna. See, I don't really don't think that that's something that you can go. Okay, well, they struggle on the road. Is that that's the coach, right? I think you have to look at this like this: they don't have the roster compete with a, a, like a team like Boston. They don't have the roster to compete with Tempe. They don't have the roster to compete with Toronto. They don't have the roster to compete with Florida. They don't have the roster to even compete with Pittsburgh, New York, or Carolina. Okay? So, what makes them better? What makes them better next year? And is it firing Jeff Blashoff? No. I don't think it would. I think whatever Stevie Y decides, I'm good with. If Stevie Y decides that he wants to keep Jeff Blashoff, Fine, I'm all for it. Uh he, he's he's obviously earned that right. You know, C V has been very, very uh smart in the way that he's handled things. And I think keeping Jeff bleschel on the helm, I think he, that was better than people thought. And I I like that to be honest. I thought that was a good that was a good move. But you know, if you look at the free agents in the in in, in uh in the free agent pool in 2022. You know, the youngest defenseman. There's, there's not many young defensemen that you can go, okay. I, I take him. Okay. Um, there's a couple that I, w- I would, I, I circled. Um, one is Will Butcher. He plays for the Buffalo Sabers, and he's, he hasn't been an offensive firepower. But you know, there's, you know, there's also some guys like, if you want a right-handed shot. There's a guy named John Klingberg. I think j jo- I think Klingberg could be fantastic. Um you're talking about how does this team uh get better? You know, John Klingberg is 29. Would you sign him through a rebuild, right? Uh, Chris Latang is 35. Would you sign him in the midst of a rebuild? I don't think Pittsburgh is gonna get rid of Chris Latang. And then you got Giordano. Um, you got Ben Sherratt, who is sturdy. He plays for Florida. You already had Nick Letty. Subban's going to be 33 in, in about three months. Um, you know, there's a guy Justin Schultz. I think that'd be that'd be a solid sign, but he's a right-handed to shot too. Ultimately, there's not many good options in the free agent market for um, the defenseman. But when you go to forward. When you go to forward, there's a couple players that I would like to see the Red Wings look at. The first one is, is Johnny Goudreau. If they can get a guy like Johnny Goudreau, that'd be absolutely huge. But but you know, you gotta look at it like this. Let's go look at the centers. Let's go look at the centers. Nazim Kadri, uh Richard Raquel, Ricard Raquel, uh Andrew Cop, you know, Chris Tierney. You know, these are guys that could actually be pretty useful for the Red Wings. I look at it like this. I don't think people understand how this could uh, this, this could take. Um, first of all, you got to trust the process. The process is Stevie Y making the right decisions, okay? Yes, he can make a bold move and, and make this team better, right? But in the meantime, you're still trying to get these prospects up. You're trying still trying to get them room so that they can move up and they can play hard and they can get up to here and, and make some moves. But when I look at the Red Wings going into the future, I think that they have a very, very good sample size. If Stevie Y wants to move on from Jeff Blashell, okay, I'm fine with him. Cool with it. Because what Stevie Y decides is what he decides. I have full faith in Stevie Y. I don't think people understand. I think there's part of the Blashell people who think. You know that hate him. They don't want. They want him fired. They think this team is ready to go and ready to win. They should be better than they are. And then there's a part of the sanction of the Red Wing fan base that is like, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" Because the Red Wings aren't on that level yet, and it's I don't think they'll be on that level for another couple years. If you want to be honest, because if you look at this team right now. I love I love Larkin I love bertuzzi. I love Verana. I think if Verana was playing the full season, potentially you could probably make the playoffs but you need more depth if you want to go far in the playoffs, you need depth you you need a guy on the second line who who who's uh who's playing well on on at the center position you know what this team really misses is a Luke Lindenny. What this team really misses is a guy like Darren Helm. A lot of you guys chased him out of town. You said that you know that they weren't good enough, and now they're with a new team. They're playing meaningful minutes. Both, I think, both of them are in the playoff race. Last time I checked, um, yeah, Dallas is in the playoff race. They're they're, they're in the second wild card, and. um obviously we're Darren Helm they're they're the, they've already won the western conference they already clinched home ice in that western conference so but you know those are guys that you miss you miss those veterans that can make the right plays at the right time and that you know what this is a youth the this is what you deal with when you have youth you deal with inexperiences you make deal with dumb mistakes and you deal with uh the the things that really just don't even help you you know that's exactly what the Red Wings are dealing with right now. And I think if you're gonna be honest with yourself, they're making a very, very conceited effort to get to where they are they want to go. And I think the I think the Red Wings will be fine going forward, but I think people need to really just look at this team as it is. Look at the team as it is. You know. You look at a team like, you look at a team like, you know, um, let's go Tampa Bay. Let's go Tampa Bay. Let's look at their depth chart. Uh, uh you know the, the the team, and let's look let's look, let's look at their their the their roster. So their roster, so <laughs> it's pretty crazy because. They have Braden Point, Sam Coats, Anthony Cirelli as their top three centers. Okay, and then they have Kucherov, <laughs> they have Andre Pilat. they have Pe- Corey Perry, and then you go to the defensemen. They have Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, Sergachev and uh, Jan Ruda. You're talking about it. you're talking about that's that team is way better than Detroit, way better than Detroit. But that's that's exactly what we're dealing with right now, and to get to the point where Tampa Bay is, you have to be more. Um, you just have to get more experience. You have to get these young kids up, and you have to make the. Yeah, uh, you, you have to be patient. I know people don't like being patient. They said the rebuilds, t- you know, took too long, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And, and you look at the Red Wings and you look at the the defensemen they got coming down the pike, the centermen they got coming down the pike, I think the Red Wings will be fine. But you got to be patient if you're a Red Wings fan. This is Between the Whistles, Detroit, your hometown team. Next segment, we'll be talking about the Michigan State Spartans, and I have a high hopes for them in their football program. That's next on Between the Whistles. Welcome Cindy and Joe. show. Cindy's on the road prepping for the convention this weekend for her nod for the secretary of state. But I am Joe and we are talking Michigan State today. After the spring their spring game. I think it's imperative because I have some strong thoughts on the Spartans as they, they look we look forward to football season. And I'm gonna start with basically um I'm gonna basically start with the the conundrum. I don't think when people, you know, saw that Mike Mel Tucker was hired by Michigan State, that they thought they would be getting a, a guy like like a total elite college football coach. And I didn't think they, I didn't think they were either. I mean, some people thought that he they, they overpaid it at some point, right? But what's what's the um what is very very appealing about the Michigan State Spartans right now is what that program is trending towards i think that football that football program is trending towards elite status and let me tell you something right now the 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 amount of people who you know You look at – there's so much uh, confidence in Mel Tucker for Michigan State fans. There's so much, you know, there's so much optimism. Like, what can he not do? And you look at the way that this this program has been trending is look at, you know, he's going through the transfer portal. He's making sure, you know, people – like, Michigan fans, a lot of people that don't understand the transfer portal, portal, they think about it and they go, well, he's getting all his kids from the transfer portal. Right? That's what you, that's what you hear all the time. He's getting these kids from the transfer portal. He's getting them, and, and, and he's not building team, you know, the, the team bonding stuff that you would hear. But that's college football in a nutshell. It really it really is a college football in a nutshell. Like the transfer portal is gonna be a huge part of college football moving forward. And the fact that Mel Tucker has been so aggressive, especially in the first couple years where, you know, he needed some infusion of talent. He got it with Kenneth Walker. Yeah, you, know, you look at you look at the guys he brought in like Jalen Berger. Um, you know, these these are these are huge um, there, there's huge optimism with this team, I and mean, there's there's Michigan State is recruiting at a level that we have never seen, we potentially will never see, um, we would have never saw with uh, a guy like Mark D'Antonio. Michigan State is really turning the corner and really trending towards elite status. When you talk about an elite football program. Think about it like this. ESPN updated its way too early top 25 today. They have Michigan State at number eight. Okay. Mel Tucker in his second year, technically his first because COVID really effed everything up. But in his second year, he took them and they won 11 games. And it's going into his third year. They think that he's a top. They have a top 10 football program. You have to understand that what Mel Tucker is doing is building something very, very special. You know, there's only a handful of teams that can claim that they have gone to the college football uh, playoff, right? There's LSU, Oregon, FSU, Florida State, Cincinnati, Washington, Michigan. Michigan State have all gone once. You have Notre Dame that's gone twice, Georgia that's gone twice, Oklahoma that's gone four times, Ohio State that's gone four times, Clemson that's gone six times, Alabama that's a win seven times. Obviously, those are powers, but I don't see why, in um, Mel Tucker's tenure, that he can't get the, the three College World Playoff appearances. And I don't think it's out of touch, this, it, you know, with the way that the recruiting is going. And uh, how they're recruiting, and how the optimism, and being in charge of the top top targets, in, in in you know in the country, I think you you can't rule a national championship out. And I was talking to someone who is a big time college football guy. He's a college football coach on a premier coaching staff in the SEC. And he told me flat out. He told me flat out. The hire of Jordan. Reverend Jordan, I think I got that right name right, but he's a defensive end coach. This is a guy that's coached hundreds of NFL players, hundreds. He 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 was, you know, he was a guy that coached hundreds of NFL talent. He's he's a guy that's bringing these kids, these these men to Michigan State to train. This is what he said. Okay, he said that the hire jordan will push michigan state at the top of the big 10 in no time put together with that with mel tuckers defensive philosophy with the way that he his, his staff can find offensive talent and the way that um you know they mine the transfer portal he said michigan state is a sleeping giant they're a sleeping giant And the guy who said this has one national championship ring. He has one national championship ring. And he said Michigan State is a sleeping giant. Obviously, you have to contend with Michigan State. You have to contend with Michigan. You have to contend with Ohio State and Penn State. And they're in the SEC. You're in the Big Ten East, which is a hard conference. It's only getting tougher with, you know, Rutgers getting better. Um. Michigan's always going to be uh, good. Uh, Ohio State's always going to be elite. Uh, Penn State's always going to be really, really good. There's always a James Franklin factor. But beside the point, I think Michigan State football is really trending towards uh, elite status. And you look forward to this year when Michigan State could potentially be a top 10 team in the preseason. And you look at their schedule and you go... Okay, it's gonna be a tough schedule in probably October. Um, you know, when you um you know you're you're going you're going uh, you're going to uh October. You go to you you play at Maryland, you play Ohio State, you play Wisconsin, and you play Michigan. That's that's a tough schedule right there. That's it's four tough games that are you know packed in, but you're gonna get some lead up to it. You know, you're gonna play you're gonna play Western. You're gonna play. Uh, you're gonna play Wayne. You're gonna play White. Uh, Western. You're gonna play Akron. You're gonna play Washington at Washington. You're gonna get a chance to play Minnesota, and all these things could could really put this team in, in a good position when they get to October first and they go to Maryland, and then then
1: you know they'll
0: put them in a good it's a good spot because last year. The Michigan State, didn't, Michigan State football did not have any depth on the, you know, anywhere. And, and they started to get injuries late in the year, and they, they really started to take a little bit of a turn after the Michigan game where they lost to Purdue. They got blown out by Ohio State. And then, you know, you see that and you go, what are you talking about? There's not much to be happy about. Well, they won, they won 11 games. They won their bowl game. They won the Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A bowl, and, and they won. They won 11 games. They won it when their depth was really tested and they really didn't have the depth to, to compete. So I think, you know, if you if you read what you read from the spring game, you know, the depth is better on the team. Surviving injuries was impossible for, for Michigan State last year. And it really showed when you went to play Purdue and you went to play Ohio State. Obviously, when you play Ohio State, it's going to be a tough slide anyways. But when you're not healthy, it makes it even tougher. But if you look if you look at the way Mel Talker is building this program, this could potentially be by year four a team that can compete for a college football playoff appearance, in my mind. I think they're gonna start get they they're recruiting really, really well. And I think that they're gonna actually recruit really, really well in 2023. Listen, it's gonna it's gonna that's what it's gonna depend on. But if I'm if I'm if I'm Michigan State, if I'm a Michigan State fan. I'm excited because what this, that one coach said, it's a sleeping giant, sleeping giant. You have to be happy with what they are saying across the college wall landscape, saying that Mel Tucker is elite. He's a guy that's going to, you know, be around. He's going to, he's going to be a, uh, he's going to be that elite guy. There's a lot of people who think he's going to be an elite uh, head coach and you can definitely start to see it. I think uh, three years in to his program technically two years in, but three years in, you could, you could really see that he's got this thing going in the right direction. And if you're a Michigan State fan, you cannot be happier with that. On the next segment of Between the Whistles, I, we will be talking the Lions And the next segment, obviously. The Lions, you know, they're, they're something that will never change, but we're going to try to get through it in Lions talk and try to figure out. Where they should go with the second pick in the draft this is between the whistles with joe and uh we're signing out for the segment welcome to cindy and joe show i'm joe cindy's on the road getting ready for her republican convention where she's hoping to be the next secretary of state nominee for the republican party so there's a lot of good things happening with the cindy and joe show and today we are talking the lions right And I think that people, I'm starting to get a little bit pissed off, to be honest. These ideas of taking an effing quarterback at 2 or 32 are the dumbest things that I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay? I'm looking at the CBS mock, right? I'm looking at the CBS mock. The Lions take at 2 Aiden Hutchinson. Okay, I'm fine with that. I'm great. That's cool. That's actually one of my better picks, right? But you go to 32, and this is where it turns into comedy hour. The Lions select, at 32, Desmond Ritter, quarterback from Cincinnati. And do you know who they pass on? Do you know who they pass on? Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah, and Nakobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, and David Ojabo from Michigan. Now you might be saying... David Jabo is going to be hurt, so why would they take him? Why would they take him? Why would they take him? Because it actually fits their timeline. See, people don't really understand that you're still about a year away from becoming a contender, okay, at most. Um, And let's just ride this Jared Goff train until it falls, and then you can go get your quarterback next year and go maybe in the trade market and trade for – A QB that becomes available, like we've seen this rotation of quarterbacks, like Russell Wilson coming and leaving Seattle, go to Denver. You know, you've seen you're going to see Baker Mayfield gone. You're going to see you know there's a a bunch of quarterbacks that are always you know Deshaun Watson went to Cleveland. It's important to remember that, but it's also important to remember that picking a quarterback this year would be the ultimate. Same old Lions. And you ask me, why? Why would it be the same old Lions? And why would it, that be a same old Lions move when Lions need a quarterback? Do they need a quarterback that bad? No. They don't need a quarterback that bad. They really have to reach on a quarterback. You know, Malik Willis is good as, he, as good as Malik Willis is, right? As good as Malik Willis is. Malik Willis has been compared to uh, a guy that I think a lot of people don't really understand, but they basically don't understand because they're not really that smart. But Malik Willis has been compared to EJ Manuel. Me, EJ Manuel had a great arm, and he sucked in Buffalo. Absolutely sucked in Buffalo. I, um, I don't really understand this. You know, if you look at the, I love the way the NFL mock draft database turns this into a graph. So, in February, in February, uh, you know, Malik Willis was going to be uh, the one of the the bottom picks of the round, right? Then he had a good, he had a good, he had a good, uh, uh, pro day, uh, good combine, and he rocketed up the board. So, you know, you look at him, he, he played at Auburn. You know, he had to transfer from Auburn because he wasn't getting playing time. Which, if you can get playing time over Bo Necks, I don't know if that tells you anything. But, like, I just can't believe, like, people think that... First of all, be, the Lions taking a quarterback would just be an absolute SOL type move. And if they actually went into the the, the draft, right... And they passed on to Devin Lloyd. They passed on to Nakobe Dean. That would be the biggest stupid move that they've ever made. And, and there's another player that I really think is getting a lot of love, but he shouldn't be getting a lot of love, and that's Trayvon Walker. You know, a lot of people love Trayvon Walker. They think because he has the potential on the upside, and he's played to Georgia, and he, he's, he played alongside the that, that great defense that they had at Georgia it really helps when you have a guy like Jordan Davis up the middle that really takes blocks away from you, you know, because he's an absolute mammoth human being. But this this, just reality that the Lions need to take a quarterback and the Lions need to take Trayvon Walker because he played at Georgia, blah, 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 blah. Hopefully, um, Brad Holmes is smarter than that. Because hopefully this draft is not really the best draft to be drafting in number two. And I, I think this will test how good Brett Holmes really is, how good he can be, and what he can really put this team in, in into, into. Can he make this team a contender? You're really gonna know about Brett Holmes this year. You're gonna know about him and his the way that he, um, he operates and the way that he drafts, and you're gonna see a steady track record of how he drafts, and um. It's it's amazing to me that people, you know, they don't really don't want to listen. They don't they don't want to listen. I think you got to listen to this, okay? I don't think people are aware that Brad Holmes in this Detroit Lions regime, they were given six years on their contract, okay? They didn't they didn't inherit anything from, um. Uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, except Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnall. Thank you for that. Romeo Laquara. You know they 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 inherited some decent players, but they have they didn't they lost all their stars. Quandre Diggs was traded away for nothing. Darius Slay was traded away for nothing, and that's just what you had to deal with. Bottom line: this team needs talent. They need elite talent. They don't need positional value. Yeah, you want to get a defensive end. I agree. You don't – if you – you know, if you, they picked a safety over a linebacker, a wide receiver over a linebacker, I know a lot of people really just want defense. You know, that's what we did with Bob Quinn. We drafted a Tabor uh, – you know, tease Tabor because we needed a corner, and he was a bust. You needed a linebacker. You drafted Jelani Tavai. He was a bust. You needed a tight end back in the day. You drafted Eric Ebron, and you drafted him over Aaron Donald, over OBJ. You you needed a tight end, you know, uh, when TJ Hawkinson came out, so you took TJ Hawkinson. Sometimes, you know, using the positional value is the biggest farce. Biggest farce. You can't use positional value as your tactic. You know, if you want, if you want to say we need an edge rusher, we need an edge rusher because I want to rush the pass or I want to I want to get to the the quarterback. That's well warranted, but you got to understand: is that edge rusher good? You know, does that general manager that edge rusher does he see that player being a starter? Or when you get in later rounds, do you see this guy being a meaningful player that could play snaps? Bottom line, positional value be damned. You needed a linebacker, Javlani Tavai. How'd that work out? Not good, did it? Not good. There is no positional value with this Detroit Lions team. If you think positional value is actually a thing that the Lions should actually uh, adhere by... You're dope. The Lions need talent. That's what they need. They need talent. They need elite talent. That's what the Lions need. They don't need to reach for a defensive end when they, ha- you know, when when they have Romeo Quara. You know, they don't need these guys. You know, and be- and I I love how the draft ends after the first round for some of these 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 guys. I, I mean, I have Detroit Lions news, and I, I see the comments all the time. Why didn't we take a why didn't we take a linebacker? You know, why did we take a wide receiver? Because you need a wide receiver. It's an offensive league. Let's see what Jared Goff has before we toss him in the trash. This is what the Detroit Lions need to do. They need to figure out if Goff is truly the answer, and if Goff can lead them to. A big, you know, uh, a good record next year. More for it, you know. Jared Goff on the possibility of drafting quarterback. The talk is always just talk. I mean, he talked about it with the, uh, with the team, with the the, the, the we uh, with the, you know with the guy with the press. Um. I think the Detroit Lions have a real good opportunity. You know, the Lions have a really good opportunity to be good, better next year. Will they be great? No, I don't think they'll be great. They're far along the lines of that. But, if I'm the Detroit Lions, I would love to just draft the best player that comes to us at 2. And don't make the mistake of drafting a quarterback at 32 because that doesn't that usually work. If you look at the, the percentages of those quarterbacks taken in that, that realm of the draft, they usually don't pan out. You know, there's there's yeah, there's Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers, but those are two of probably 22, right? But it's interesting because the Lions haven't had internal discussions. Per Kyle Meinke about Debo Samuel, and that's just like they do with every player that is available. What does it mean? I don't think it means much, but it's intriguing, definitely intriguing. I just think, you know, when you look at the Lions coming into next year, they could be really, really good, or they could be really, really bad. But I think they'll be better than people think. I think Romeo Acquire coming back, that's going to be a huge help. Charles Harris being there, you know they're going to add a defensive end at some point in the draft. You got to get that defense better. And you got to get a safety because Zeearon Glenn loves his safeties. And, uh, you know, Deshaun Elliott, he's a good piece a good depth his safety. But if you can get a guy like Louis seen from Georgia, that could really, really help that team. You know, the the Lions, they've always struggled. They've always struggled with, um, you know, not being the smartest, you know, team. You know, always not really making the right decisions. I think with with Brad Holmes, you're going to see how good you have it with this draft. And you're not gonna know after the draft, you're gonna know when the season ends the next year, you're gonna know how good of a general manager you have and how confident you are in this that this general manager. I'm confident that Brett Holmes can take home some good stuff. I'm confident he can do that. I think he's the right man for the job. I think he's a smart man who, you know. Listen, I interviewed with Brett Holmes when he was at LA for his uh, the college scouting and I ultimately didn't get it because, you know, COVID happened, all that stuff, but he's one of the smartest people I've ever been interviewed by. That's just, that's putting it simple. He's, he's so smart. He knows the game inside. Now there's things that he looks for that you wouldn't really think of because that's not really the top of mind, but you know, one of the things that he looked at, especially with the guy that was coming out of college and, you know, he, he was a, he was a safety. He didn't really show much at Ohio state. He was, you know, he was, he was, a he was average safety at Ohio state. And he said, you know, he asked the question, what do you think of this guy, this guy, this guy? And I was like, I told him in and, and then he goes into the whole thing about, you know, when you're looking at a player, you're, you're trying to see if they can match him to, Become an NFL player. You look at their, their their the way that they fight, and the way that they put themselves in position, and when they're out of position, how how fast do they get themselves back into position, and that's always something that I've been looking at as as far as concerned as uh as draft prospects. I think I think the the Jackson. I think uh when you look at the Lions, they're obviously gonna hedge on what the Jacksonville Jaguars do. What do the Jacksonville Jaguars do? No one knows. They're a, really, they're a really weird organization. But if you're Brett Holmes, if you're a Lions fan, you have to be happy where you're going because you're going in some elite places. And I really do think that, you know, let's see what Jared Goff has next year. Don't draft a quarterback. Don't draft a quarterback this year because you really don't need one at this point. Um, it really don't make much sense for, for the Lions to take a quarterback. I mean... Whatever Brad Holmes decides, if he did draft a quarterback, he's married to that quarterback, and that's the quarterback that he takes. But I, I don't think Brad Holmes would take a quarterback at this point in his uh, his tenure. I think he still wants to build that team and then put a quarterback around that, that team that's built. And that's what I think. And hopefully we'll start to learn more, but we'll have a daily podcast about the Lions going forward. it would probably be about five, ten minutes at the most – so you can uh, listen in every day and you know hear some tidbits and try to figure out what you're doing, uh, who you want to draft, and we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of collaborate. Uh, and you'll be mentioned in the podcast. We'll we'll kind of do some community type stuff. Uh, this is between the West of Detroit, your hometown team. This is Lions talking. This is the end of the episode, and um, we will see you next week. Sunday will probably be with us, so that'll be fun. So um, probably be around Wednesday. And uh, we'll know for sure she's a Republican nominee for a secretary of state. We will see you next week on Between the Whistles Detroit, your hometown team presented by Wild Bill's Tobacco.